0: Thank you guys for um, worship, thank you for preparing the songs. And um, like Jamil was saying, our resources are so limited, um, our circumstances are so limited, but knowing that we are joining myriads of angels, myriads of other believers that are in heaven right now, just singing and praising God and saying, Worthy are you, Jesus. For what you have done, it gives us um, just this um, eternal uh, boost. I don't know how to describe it. there's no <laughs> words to describe it. And, and yeah, so definitely we are we are very um, happy to share another Sunday with you guys um, and celebrate uh, the resurrection uh, um, with you. Um, this is something that we, we we would love to be doing it together. But um, this is what we have and God can speak either if we are a hu- in a house with a few group uh, 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 people or if you are alone. When God speaks, there's that, nothing that can stop him. And my prayer is that God can also speak uh, through this message uh, this morning. I'm uh, very excited to share, but I know that my English is not the best, so please bear with me if, if I, I don't explain it properly or if I will have to ask The people here, how is that word in English or something like that? Um, But yeah, may God speak to your heart this morning. This was actually, last night was a very um, restless night for me. I didn't sleep very well at all. And it was one of those nights, you know, when um, when you go to bed and something is in your heart and is in your mind and you just cannot fall asleep. My best friend died last Friday. Um, it was not from coronavirus, but it was also from a very quick and unexpected death. And I went to bed uh, last night thinking about it. and it's one of those things you, you take long to fall asleep. and when finally you, fall, you, you sleep for a few hours and you wake up, um, you sleep for a few hours, you wake up and the first thought comes again and you cannot sleep. Anymore. You start thinking of that again. I'm locked down at, at, at home. I cannot go anywhere. Um, and I'm afraid to be seen. But this morning, as I uh, stood in bed for for a few hours, then I decided, no. I have to go, and I have to go to the cemetery, just to honor him, just to see the, see him. So I've decided to get up, and I just went. When I got to the cemetery, I went to his grave, and to my surprise, that the grave was empty. And I thought, maybe I went to the wrong grave. What's happening? So I looked around some more, and I couldn't see anything. No, that was the grave where he was supposed to be. And so I didn't know what to do, and I, I was there, and I started crying and, and praying, God, what is happening here? Two guys came, and they said, why are you crying? I said... The grave is empty. My friend was here and now he's not. What happened? If someone stole the body? What happened? And I said, your friend is alive. Why are you crying? I looked at them and I thought, are you crazy? Is this some kind of joke? I knew he died on Friday. I didn't say the proper goodbyes when I saw him. And now the grave is empty. And I didn't believe what they say. It was very strange for me. And I stood there for a little while more. And after that, another voice behind me said, Mary. I looked around and I recognized that voice. And I recognized that it was Jesus that was speaking to me. And I said, teacher, (laughs) my best friend was alive. And he came and he spoke to me. And he said, Mary, go and tell the disciples that I am alive. Later, Jesus appeared to all of them, and for some more days, he stood with us, and he talked to all of us, and we believed. I cannot start to imagine the joy that Mary Magdalene, the woman that was there, and all the Jesus' disciples had when they saw his, his teacher alive. What was the experience as they saw Jesus alive? And after 2000 years, we still echo that amazement and we are here. Jesus is alive. Yeah. The, resurrection, the resurrection event changed world history forever. Gerald O'Collins said, in a profound sense, Christianity without the resurrection is not simply Christianity without its final chapter. It's not Christianity at all. Resurrection is the seal of God's redemption story. If the crucifixion is the letter of our ransom, the resurrection is its official seal, confirming the authenticity and the legitimacy of that redeeming act. Mm -hmm. And that's how church started. People the disciples that witnessing the amazing life of Jesus where he spoke, he taught, he healed a person and he, they saw him being crucified and three day, uh, days later he was alive again. They started sharing what they have seen, this Jesus they lived with. Christianity or the church being started when they just wrote a few gospels and after many years they thought, okay, now we have to put all the books together, put a structure and Uh, Put everything formal and now we have a a church now. It started by people witnessing what they have seen Mm -hmm. Many were skeptic back then and many are still skeptic today For those that are skeptic you may discredit the Bible Until you truly understand the resurrection Jesus was this man that claimed to be God on earth and many were skeptic until, even his own brother and close family, the Bible teaches, until they saw him again. What he did, what no man, what no normal human being could ever do, being risen from the dead. And that gave proof that his claim, that he was God, and that God existed, was true. And that change, uh, that can change our life. That is very profound. So what's the difference between Christianity and any other religion? Christianity is the only religion that, it's fa- that claims that its founder resurrected from the dead. No other religion claims that. That's why Christianity is so radical. So the most important question today in the world is whether Jesus rose or not from the dead. The resurrection is the very heart of the Christian faith and implications are very very profound and that's why we celebrate it not only today but throughout the year we speak again and again of this risen Christ is the heart of our beliefs. The Bible is not afraid of talking about the resurrection and it clearly states if Christ has not been raised then our preaching is useless or is empty. Your faith is futile and you are still guilty of our sins. The death of Jesus would be just the death of Gandhi or any other good teacher. and The story will end up there. But because the story didn't end up there, because we know resurrection is true, then there's so much that we can talk about, that we can share. And that's what I wanted to share with you today two main things that the resurrection of Jesus brings us. It's a privilege for us to carry this message. How beautiful are the feet of those who proclaim the good news, those who proclaim peace and proclaim salvation. It's a privilege for us to share this message. But it's also a burden. Not in the negative negative sense but it's a responsibility that comes with it. We have to face the challenge. We have to be ready for the message not to be accepted by everyone and even facing persecution by that same message. So today I want to explore these two ideas, the privilege and the uh, the burden of carrying this message. And we're going to explore these ideas by focusing on other stories that talk about the resurrection as well. So, um, I invite you to even open your Bibles in John chapter 11, or follow us here uh, on the screen. There was a man uh, named Lazarus, and he lived with his two uh, sisters, Mary and Martha. They were a family with possessions and with a lot of connections. They lived in Bethany, around three kilometers east of Jerusalem. And Jesus knew them for some time. We have an account in Luke 10 where where Jesus is uh, with Mary and Martha in in their house. And we can um, think that because their house was so near Jerusalem, every time probably Jesus went to Jerusalem, he was housed there. So this was a family that was very close to Jesus. One day, Lazarus was really, really sick to the point of death. And so the sisters sent messengers to tell Jesus... Your friend, someone you love very much, is very sick, please come, please do something about it. And that's how this chapter starts. So we're not going to read all of it, so I'll just highlight a few passages. So the two sisters sent a message to Jesus, telling him, Lord, your dear friend is very sick. But when Jesus heard about it, he said, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death, no, no. It happened for the glory of God so that the Son of God will receive glory from this. Let me stop here. Jesus heard the news that his friend was very sick and instead of rushing and go heal or do something about it, Jesus was very intentional on staying where he was. Jesus said Lazarus death Lazarus' story, or Lazarus' sickness, sorry, will not end in death. Jesus knew that Lazarus had to go through death, but the story would not end in his death. So Jesus purposefully waited there for a few more days before going to see Lazarus. And I just want to stop here to say that because Jesus loved much, he intentionally delayed um, going to Lazarus. Check what it says on verse 14 and 15. After this delay, Jesus says that, okay guys, Lazarus is dead, let's go. Then he says, and for your sakes, I'm glad I wasn't there, for now you will really believe. Come, let's go see him. Jesus purposefully waited there because he had a bigger thing to do. He wanted Lazarus to go through that. He wanted the family, close friends of Lazarus to go through that trial to that pain but he had something better waiting and many times when we see we have challenges uh, around us when we see also sickness or things around us we are very quick to just say God will heal God will do God will restore God will do this this and that and we we don't expect for God to delay and many times when we are in a rush because we just want this, the, the, the things to be done the way we want it and quick and quick. And now we forget that God can be delaying because he has mm-hmm. something better. Mm-hmm. If Jesus had just gone there the minute he heard that Lazarus was sick. Yes, maybe he would have healed Lazarus and it would be amazing. But it would be a miracle like many other people were healed. But Jesus waited because he wanted to do a bigger miracle. He wanted to raise Lazarus. That was just a parenthesis. All right, let's continue. When Jesus arrived uh, at Bethany, verse 17, yeah. When Jesus arrived at Bethany, he was told that Lazarus had already been in his grave for four days. Bethany was only a few miles down the road from Jerusalem, and many of the people had come to console Martha and Mary in their loss. When Martha got word that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him, but Mary stayed in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never ever die. Do you believe this, Martha? So Jesus is arriving to Bethany. Martha hears that he's coming, and Martha just goes and meets him, meets him halfway, and they have this private conversation. He said, Lord, if you only had been here, he would have lived. But Jesus, in the context of a funeral, he is not there comforting Martha or even saying, or, or, or even honoring Lazarus' life. Jesus starts pointing everything to himself in order to reveal to her. Something extraordinary about him. He said, I am the resurrection and the life, Martha. And then he impacts this claim. He says, I am the resurrection. Whoever believes in him will live even after dying. Death does not have the last word. Mm. And then he said, I am the life. Whoever believes in me will never die. That life begins now and in the deepest sense of our connection and relationship with the living God, that life will continue forever. This is eternal life. And Jesus tells that to Martha. Mm. And then he said, do you believe, Martha? What about you, dear listener? Do you believe? Mm. If yes, how does this understanding... Affects the way you live. How does it affect your character? Your courage? Your ability to forgive others? How does it affect your peace and your hope? If yes, do you frequently remind yourself of this, about this reality? And is it fundamental? Is it a foundation to your faith? If not, if you don't believe, what's the thing... What is the unanswered question that still makes you doubt? Mm -hmm. If you don't believe, what needs to be solved? Is this message too radical? Can you grasp it intellectually, but somehow, and it makes sense somehow, but emotionally it still doesn't get you? And why? Let's continue. Then Mary also hears that Jesus arrived to... Uh, Bethany. So now Mary leaves the house and the people saw her leaving the house and many people follow her. So now we have Jesus in Bethany with Mary, Martha and people and now we have a public conversation. So when Mary arrived and saw Jesus, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and saw the other people wailing with her a deep anger welled up within him and he was deeply troubled Where have you put him he asked and they told him Lord come and see then Jesus wept Jesus reaction as he got deeply troubled and eventually wept it was not out of empathy for Lazarus. I don't think Jesus was crying for Lazarus. I mean, Jesus knew he was going to raise Lazarus in what? Three minutes? So why would he be crying for Lazarus, right? I believe when Jesus saw Mary crying at him, if he were here, the same thing that Martha said, and when Jesus looked and saw all the other people wailing, then Jesus got was very troubled and he wept as a result of his compassion for the people around him and in the larger people for the whole creation. His creation is bonded to the ugliness of sin that leads to death. For all of us, there's no escape. It's inevitable, it's unavoidable, and it is ugly, and God doesn't like. And I believe Jesus was experiencing the ugliness of death there. And he wept because he could see it, it's something that affects the whole creation. The living God who brings life wants his whole creation to also share of the everlasting eternal life that he has prepared. I believe that's God's heart desire. And the Bible tells mm-hmm. us so. One passage in Ezekiel and another in Second Peter. In Ezekiel it says, Do you think this is God speaking? Do you think I like to see wicked people die? says the sovereign Lord. Of course not. I want them to turn from their wicked ways and live. Mm. No. Later Peter said, The Lord is real isn't really slow about his promises, as some people think. No, he's being patient. For your sake, He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. I believe this is God's desire for His whole creation. So why doesn't then God save everyone? Right? This is a complex question, and surely we would not have time to answer here. It's not the purpose of my message. But let's not also forget God's character that He is just. So sin has to be punished. It has to be punished. And there's where the cross makes sense, where the punishment that we all deserve because of our sins, Jesus took them on the cross. But likewise, we are called to believe in what he did for us. Believe Jesus alone, he's the resurrection and the life. Believe in Jesus' redemptive acts on the cross and the forgiveness of your sins. Let's go back to Lazarus this episode concludes when jesus says lazarus wake up come out and the dead man came to life the, the people around were like so amazed many believed in jesus then and others went to report what happened to the religious authorities and the religious authorities were not happy for what happened because of what happened many started believing jesus and got away from the religious system back then. They started following Jesus and they didn't like it. So, that episode, beside being beside being an amazing uh, thing that happened, it created tension on both sides. But let's focus on Lazarus. What would this mean for him? I believe that initially, Lazarus was not too happy. I mean, he had... After experiencing a glimpse of what heaven was like, of what being in the presence of God and his angels was like, he was now sent back to earth again and had to be hungry again, thirsty again, uh, be sick again eventually, and here he was again. I believe he was not that happy until eventually he saw the sisters happy for him and the people happy for him, right? But now he was a main witness. He could witness his own very personal story of one of Jesus' greatest miracles so far. He could witness his own resurrection. Many believed, and surely Lazarus could still be used to share his own personal story, and many more would believe in Jesus because of him. What a privilege he had. But also, John tells us later that many wanted to kill Lazarus as well because of what happened to Lazarus many wanted to kill Jesus the the miracle worker but I also wanted to kill Lazarus kill all the evidences so for the rest of his life Lazarus embraced the privilege but also the burden of his own personal resurrection story Mm. the Bible actually doesn't tell us what happened with the rest of his life Tradition says that he had to flee and he was exiled in the island of Cyprus. But soon, a few days later, Lazarus would have even a bigger story to tell. He witnessed the most costly act of love when Jesus went to the cross and the absolute victory over death when Jesus rose from the dead. So again, the privilege of being a witness of such acts. That's what Lazarus had to share, but also burden of being a witness. He had to face also persecution. People who disagreed, who mocked, who rejected him as well. In one of Jesus' teachings, he says, if the seed doesn't fall to the ground and die, Mm -hmm. it's worth nothing. But it must die so that it can grow into a harvest, a plentiful harvest, and produce many other lives. So we ourselves have to be this seed that die for ourselves. And by dying for ourselves, it doesn't mean denying completely anything that we like and being miserable for the rest of our life. It's not what Jesus is saying, but it means that everything that we are, everything that we desire, we put it before God and we have to understand, is this according to the God who gave me life once for my life? If it is, then we can enjoy that freedom. But if it's not, then we have to die for ourselves in order to obey uh, God. So now the question is, we have privilege and we have the burden of this message. Is the privilege of carrying the message of Jesus bigger than the burden that comes with it? I believe the privilege is bigger than the burden. And why? Because in the end, we will also be rewarded. In the end, we also will be resurrected from the dead. We will, be, we will experience something even bigger than what Lazarus experienced. I mean, we will be raised with Lazarus once again. And together we will meet the Lord Jesus in heaven. And the story of salvation of Jesus will be completely fulfilled in our lives. So I want to explore in this way, I want to conclude uh, my message exploring this, this, this reward that is uh, waiting for us. Why then privilege is big, bigger than the burden. So I want us to turn to chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians. And this chapter is one of my favorites. So I invite you today to uh, at home to read the whole chapter, meditate on him and memorize some key verses. So let's read from verse 51 to 58. Before these verses, Paul explores a few ideas and he bridges the resurrection of Christ and our resurrection in the end times. The resurrection of Christ gives us assurance that sin and death do not have the final word. Paul even said, if there is no resurrection, life is not worth it. Jamil just said on Friday, What point would be for someone to build a house and give uh, his resources and his time and his sweat and so much effort if the house was not going to be used for nothing or even destroyed? If there was no resurrection, if there was nothing for us after, what point would it be for us to live our lives here and to uh, give ourselves to something, dedicate our lives to something and all of us experience actually hard times in our lives? For what if after we die we become... Dust flying around in the outer space again. There has to be something more. There has to be a purpose. And the resurrection of Christ gives us that. Gives us insurance that we will be raised as well. And share eternity with God. Mm -hmm. For those who believe. Mm -hmm. Resurrection means endless hope. Thank you. Resurrection means endless hope. But no resurrection means hopeless end. So truly, such a truly glorious vision and promise due to Christ's resurrection calls for an exuberant hymn of victory. And that's what Paul concludes chapter 15 with. Can you put this thing? Yeah. But let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. We will not all die But we will all be transformed. It will happen in a moment, in the blink of an eye, when the last trumpet is blown. For when the trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised to life forever. And we who are living will also be transformed. For our dying bodies must be transformed into bodies that will never die. Our mortal bodies must be transformed into immortal bodies. Then... When our dying bodies have been transformed into bodies that will never die, this scripture will be fulfilled. Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? For sin is the sting that results in death. And the law gives sin its power. But, thank God, He gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. So, My dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord, for you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. This is an amazing uh, uh, scripture that Paul writes here. Paul says, we will all experience this. By all will be all the brothers and the sisters who have put their trust in Christ from 2,000 years or more ago until this day, all of them throughout history that believe this message, that carry this message in their heart, they will one day be um, risen again, and their bodies will be transformed, and they will be brought to heaven. And Paul talks a trumpet, and he brings this excitement and riches, richness to, to, to these events. And he talks about this transformation. So in the resurrection, the believer will have a spirit constituted physical body, will not be spirits floating around there. Our now brokenness and decay of the old body will be gone. The new body will be a physical body, like the resurrected body of Christ. When he rose, he was seen again, people could touch again, and he was immortal and imperishable, and we will experience the same power the power that rose Christ from the death will work in our lives so we will be risen and be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. And so knowing these things, Paul concludes, dear brothers, be strong, be immovable, always work for the Lord. For Paul, understanding the resurrection and all that it means in the future Empowers the believers to serve God in the present. Believers in Jesus, listen to this, believers in Jesus are not a part of a movement quietly waiting its end. The gospel of the resurrection was not an escape mechanism from this life that left people passively anticipating the next. Paul was interested in the now, in the Mm -hmm. present. And now there are still people without hope. There are people heading to eternal destruction because they don't believe. Some of them are family, close friends, or the neighbors next door. Now there are still people who need to understand the good news of the gospel. That they may believe that Jesus is the Lord of their lives. And that by believing, they may have a life in his name. People need the Lord. People need his hope. People need to experience the privilege. Yeah. So to carry any burden. So to carry the burden of, of this message. And whatever can come. In the end, will all be worth it. Everything I want you to know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. It is worth it. So why the privilege we have is bigger than the burden of carrying this message? Because we have hope. Mm -hmm. So I want to conclude with a quote from the bishop William Frey. And he he, framed it like this. Hope is hearing the music of the future. Faith is dancing to it today. So what is the music you are dancing to? Are you even dancing? <laughs> we got to keep dancing even when the lights go out. We got to keep dancing. We got to keep we have to be very tuned to the music of the gospel and faith is dancing to it in its presence. So now let's sing. <laughs> let's dance if you want. As well. Let's keep celebrating God and let's react to what we've just heard and keep giving praise to the God who deserves, who gave us such a privilege to be carriers of this message. God bless you.